This episode of She Explorers is brought to you by SmartWool. SmartWool brings comfort, confidence, and community to a life lived outside. They construct soft, moisture-wicking merino wool clothes to help make your outdoor experiences more comfortable, which makes them even more fun. SmartWool wants to share their love of the outdoors with more people, which is why they make performance clothes that uncomplicate your adventures. Because they know that being too wet or cold or hot can get in the way of why you're out there, whether it's accomplishing big goals, soaking up the mental and physical benefits, or making new friends. She Explorers is proud to be partnering with SmartWool this fall and into the holiday season because we relate deeply with their values of openness, inclusivity, and advocacy. We're excited to share more of their story and technology over the coming weeks, and I'll share more of my experiences later in the episode. Learn more by heading to smartwool.com. Go far, feel good. This episode of She Explorers is also brought to you by Nature Nas. Dogs are a fun companion in nature. Their joy in the outdoors can magnify our own. Nature Nas is a company of dog lovers who understand that for dogs, chewing is second nature. They decide to create a natural dog chew by partnering with local farmers to source natural products, cleaning them with water only, and oven baking them to result in a simple, healthy chew that dogs love. Most of their sticks, chews, bites, and chips contain just one ingredient, and all are personally inspected for quality. I also love that Nature Nas gives back by donating chews to rescue shelters across the U.S. Some exciting news, Nature Nas just launched a new dog subscription product called the Nah Box, where you can get a box of their chews every month for your dog, and they're giving She Explores listeners the opportunity to sign up and get their first box for a dollar with a two-month commitment. Head to nahbox.naturenas.com using the promo code SHEEXPLORES with no space. I know that's a mouthful, but Na in Nature Na is spelled with a G, so you'll want to go to gnawbox.naturenas.com and use code SheExplorers to get your subscription started with just a dollar. Nawbox.naturenas.com. I'm Gail Straub, and you're listening to She Explores. Everyone's at X. It seems like everyone wants to go to Y, but like, how do you actually navigate from X to Y? And like, I don't know, I don't know how to navigate, but if I can talk about like, maybe share my experiences and maybe that helps other people also share their experiences. And like, maybe together we can figure out what the hell we're doing. Uh, Who knows? Like no one has the answer, but like, I just don't want other people or I don't want myself also to feel like I am in the middle somewhere. I have no idea how to get to like the next mountaintop. That doesn't mean that I am a failure. It just means that I just don't know how to get there. And I'm sure that like hundreds of other people are out there feeling the exact same thing. So like, instead of making ourselves feel bad about it, like why can't we just talk about it and collectively understand that like, this is a a shared experience that we all have and like, you're not alone. So like, why not lean on other women who are also going through the same thing? This is Chi Fam. Though she could be, she's not talking about a literal mountaintop. She's talking about being more open about the in-between moments, the challenges that make your accomplishments even sweeter. I talked to Chi on a Thursday. She surprised me by letting me know that she'd be flying out to Vietnam later in the day. Definitely a first for this podcast. 
She is Vietnamese, and it's her first visit since she was a kid. She's also something that you might have heard of called a multi-hyphenate. It means she has a lot of different interests. She lives in San Francisco and works for Google as a UX designer. But in her spare time, you could find her riding her bike, training for an Ironman, attempting a plastic-free month, hiking, cooking, or sharing practical finance tips. She has a blog where she writes about all that and more, encouraging women to find a balance of health and wellness in their own way. I find that super refreshing. Wellness can be a bit of a buzzword. It can even be a trigger word. But when you remove the shoulds, I should eat this, I should meditate for X minutes a day, I should do yoga, I should do all these different things, you get chi. And chi is all about fun, relatable wellness for the long haul. I grew up in sunny San Diego and I was never very coordinated at all, I think. Yeah, I just just convinced that I wasn't very good at sports. And then my mom took us all to the pool one day and I saw all these kids swimming laps. And that was kind of like when I was like, oh, maybe I'll just swim because it's hot and I just like want to be in the pool. But it was very casual and I didn't really get into competitive swimming until maybe I want to say like middle school, like sixth grade is when I started like to actually join a team and go to practices and like meet other people. So ever since middle school, um, I just fell more and more in love with swimming and just really loved training with people, racing and all of that. And it continued all the way through college. So I guess I have been a competitive swimmer for it was like over a decade, which is crazy to say. <laughs> she kept swimming in college, choosing St. Louis to be part of the swim team. It was a big part of her identity and how she stayed active. She moved to D.C. after graduation and was a little directionless in her active life. When you swim competitively, you swim like 20 plus hours a week. Um, but, you know, you don't come up with any practices like your coach does at all. Uh, so after I finished swimming my senior year of college, that was the first time where I was like, oh, my God, I don't know how to work out <laughs> really without someone yelling at me. And so, yeah, I, I like stopped swimming. I gained a bunch of weight. And a couple months after I graduated um, where I was like, holy crap, like I need to figure out how to work out and like do it in a way that I don't know, adults do. <laughs> um, so that was like a really interesting introduction because, you know, I, I considered myself an athlete, but then I also quote unquote retired from swimming. So like if I wasn't an athlete anymore, then what does that mean in terms of keeping active? So yeah, so that's when I started going to the gym and trying to run um, just because like swimming outside of school it's pretty expensive like getting a membership to the pool is expensive and plus I, I think I swam enough for a lifetime so at that point I was like I'm over swimming I don't <laughs> want to do it anymore but yeah I, I tried to find other ways to exercise and it was really difficult at first for sure. She moved from Washington DC to Denver Colorado to be closer to a now ex-boyfriend. The move exposed her to exercising outside of a gym or a pool. I wasn't actually into the outdoors yet at that point in my life either, which is crazy to think about now. But uh, I think, yeah, Colorado was just an interesting state that I'd never explored before. 
Mm. So, so when you moved to Denver, you started incorporating more like traditional outdoor activities into your life. Because I, I imagine like growing up in San Diego, you like you said, you went to the pool, you probably went to the beach. Like you had mm-hmm. just like not like what you know mass media calls like outdoorsy no. activities. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's interesting point too, of like, you know, what mass media terms as outdoorsy or not. We've talked a lot about what constitutes outdoorsy on this podcast with Danielle Williams, founder of Melanin Base Camp, and with Jenny Brousseau of Unlikely Hikers, to name just two conversations. So I won't get too deep here. All that to say, as much as it's changing in some circles, there's still a pervasive narrative of certain activities qualifying others' eyes as outdoorsy, like hiking, backpacking, skiing, or rock climbing, while others may not, like enjoying the ocean or urban exploration. And some of this comes down to gatekeepers, who is deciding what qualifies as outdoorsy or not. One shouldn't negate the other. We should think of it more as an expansion of more ways to enjoy spending time outside. Here's Chi. Yeah, I I don't think I'd really hiked before then or really camped or backpacked. And so I I get to Colorado and everyone and their mother is hiking after work and summiting 14ers on the weekend. (laughs) And it's just like doing crazy athletic feats, like all outdoors. I think the the really interesting change that I, I noticed was like, you know, in DC or in California, a lot of people work out for aesthetic goals, you know, like I, I want to look good. I want to, I want to look fit. And then you get to Colorado or like another outdoorsy type scene and everyone's working out so that they can ski better or they can trail run better. Or so it's much more functional fitness, which was really interesting. Uh, So I quickly found myself spending less time inside gyms and more time like hanging out with people I met outside of the gym, like in the mountains, which was really fun. This is an interesting distinction, looking fit versus being able to do the things you like to do or to meet certain goals in the outdoors. Looking fit is slippery, elusive, and incredibly subjective, not to mention kind of fat phobic. If you don't know what it is, fat phobia is fear, hate, and a stigmatization of fatness. It's something that's pretty systemic in our culture. So in Denver, she starts taking her exercise outside. Her friends convince her to do her first trail half marathons through a company called Vacation Races. They have this back-to-back thing where you can do one in Grand Teton one weekend and then Yellowstone the next weekend. So (laughs) it was, yeah, I was very excited about it. So me and my boyfriend at the time signed up and we got a bunch of people to come do it too. And we were just going to like backpack in Grand Teton and Yellowstone in the middle. And so that was like kind of one of the first races I think that I signed up for and was like training with people um, to do like a trail half marathon. How did you like trail running? I love it. I think it's super scary at first. It's like, (laughs) oh my gosh, I'm like 90% sure I'm going to twist my ankle or like, you know, fall down on my face, um, which definitely happens. But as you get better and better or your body gets more used to the movement, I think that you get really good at catching yourself, um, which is just so crazy. Our bodies are so crazy, but I just love trail running so much. It's such a great way to see the mountains and just like disconnect. Ah, it's just amazing. (laughs) 
I don't recommend someone sign up for an Ironman as like their first triathlon, but I do recommend signing up before you think you're ready because you'll find a way to make it happen. Those adventure trail runs were a gateway to Chi's first Ironman, a long distance triathlon race consisting of a 2.4 mile swim, a 112 mile bicycle ride, and a marathon run. I can't believe it was her first triathlon either, but she is driven by setting goals. So what do you think about a, a triathlon and the three components? I know you grew up a swimmer, but like, which do you feel you gravitate most towards today? Mm, I'm really enjoying the biking part of it right now. I'm. It's definitely my worst leg. To give you an example of when I did my first full Ironman, I was like, you know, one of the first couple of people out of the water, you know, people who have a swimming background, you just, you can do it. But then a thousand people passed me on the bike leg, <laughs> which is an crazy amount of people. I mean, people are so much faster than me on my bike. And, you know, I'm just like spinning, spinning my little legs, like trying to like keep up. But, you know, people are just way better at me than me. And it, it comes with time, right? Like I spent a, a decade of my life getting good at swimming. I can't really expect to be as good at cycling as I am at swimming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a thousand people passed me on the bike. And then <laughs> I think I passed uh, maybe like 300 or 400 people on the run again. But I, I'm a running is my second strongest leg. But yeah, I it's been really fun in California. The cycling community here in California is pretty strong, especially in the Bay Area. Um, so it's been fun to kind of see this city through cycling. I think I'm addicted. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely hear it in your voice. If you're counting, San Francisco is Chi's third city since graduating college. I really respect that she loves cycling because she's challenged by it. Just like when she started swimming as a kid, there's room to improve. This June, she had a bike accident that might have kept her off road for a long time. So there's just like a crazy amount of cyclists trying to converge into the bike lane right as the train tracks were also curving. And this woman and her baby in the backseat like cut me off. And so I was like swerving to avoid the baby. And then I got caught and then I landed um, on my teeth and <laughs> broke some teeth. She needed a few rounds of dental surgery. And what she has to say about her change in appearance says a lot about the way she thinks. I think for the first month after my bike accident, I was like extremely self-conscious about smiling because it was like, your smile is like kind of the first thing that you see when you talk to someone. Like you might be watching their mouth. I don't know. I was like looking at everyone's mouths <laughs> after my bike accident. And it was like, obviously just like, cause I was deeply self-conscious of like now my very chipped teeth. After a while, I got over it and I was like, oh, I kind of like my chipped tooth, honestly. But it does look pretty dang goofy in a lot of photos. And like my other tooth is just like so much longer than my chipped tooth. And so I went to the dentist finally and I got a temporary crown on so that now my, my two front teeth were the same length. And that night, I think I had a potluck with a lot of my friends and, you know, I, I stroll into the potluck. I'm so excited that, you know, my teeth are normal and I'm like smiling and not a single person says anything. And I was just like, oh man, like 
I think it's like pretty apparent that now my teeth are the same size. Like, hello, it's, it's so obvious to me. And yeah, it was just like really incredible that not a single person said anything the entire night. And then I think the next day, it wasn't until I saw one of those friends again at lunch, we worked together. And, and then he was like, oh, like something's different about your face. I can't really figure it out. <laughs> and then after a while, he was like, oh my God, wait, did you get your teeth fixed? <laughs> and it was like a full day for him to like look at me and percolate in his mind that like, oh, my, my teeth got fixed. And it was like such a profound moment for me because it was like, you know, it's this thing that I had been stressing about for months and like going to the dentist over and over again to do my root canals and my crown and not a single person noticed it. And it was not because they're like mean or malicious or anything, or they just like don't care. It's because they just honestly don't see my tooth. They don't equate me to my chipped tooth when they talk to me. So it was just an amazing reminder that like, we are always our own worst critics. And, you know, when you look in a mirror, your eyes just like zoom into every single imperfection that you have. And most people, when they talk to you, they're not like assessing your chip teeth. They definitely don't care about how much you weigh. They don't like, they don't think about any of those things that we are constantly obsessing about every day because they're talking to you as a human being and not you as person with chip tooth or you who weighs 140 pounds, you know, just a good reminder that <laughs> I spent a lot of money on a chip tooth that no one noticed. <laughs> I love the way that you extrapolate that to like other body image stuff. Cause like we all have stuff, like we all have like those things that we mm-hmm. don't love. Like it could even be like gray hairs, you know, as, as women or like lots of different aspects that make up like our whole bodies that Mm -hmm. we can fixate on and and feel negative about which feels like a fairly good segue into like talking a little bit about body image and Mm -hmm. um your thoughts around you know feeling your body for athletic endeavors we'll talk about how chi learned to fuel rather than deprive her body after this We all want to keep our bodies healthy in the long run to spend more time doing what we love, whether it's going for long walks or training for Ironmans. But no matter what we eat, odds are good that we're most likely not getting all the essential nutrients we need on a daily basis. That's where Ritual, the obsessively researched vitamin for women, comes in. Ritual's essentials have the nutrients most of us don't get enough of from food, all in absorbable forms. No shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm to your body than good. Two easy-to-take capsules provide nine nutrients you need to support a strong foundation for your health. I can hardly believe it. I've been taking Ritual for over a year. It's the longest I've ever stuck with a multivitamin. I sometimes have a hard time remembering to do the things that I need to do for myself when I'm busy or making time for my partner and family. I like that Ritual is for me. I can take them wherever I go, and I know I'm getting the omega-3s and other nutrients that women need. From D3 to omega-3, Ritual's Essential for Women helps fill gaps in a woman's diet. Their no-nausea capsule design is gentle on an empty stomach, and there's a mint tab in every bottle to keep things fresh, so you don't have that fishy aftertaste sometimes common with omega-3s. 
Better health doesn't happen overnight, and right now Ritual is offering listeners 10% off during your first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com explore to start your ritual today. That's 10% off your first three months at ritual.com explore. Smartwall brings comfort, confidence, and community to a life lived outside. At the start of the episode, I shared some of the values that she explores and Smartwall share, openness, inclusivity, and advocacy. Smartwall wants more people to soak up the mental and physical benefits of the outdoors, and one of the ways they do this is by making performance clothes that help keep you more comfortable when you're out there. My introduction to Smartwall happened back in the early 2000s. Back then, I worked at a factory with no windows, which was really hard, when I was home from college in the summers. And Sunday was hiking day and the highlight of my week. Those hikes are some of my favorite memories with my parents. I wore thick, smart wool socks for the varied temperatures of the White Mountains and to help prevent blisters. I still bring them on hikes and backpacking trips in the Whites. Smartwool makes a lot more than socks. You can dress head to toe in their merino wool apparel, but they've carried all they learned by perfecting the sock into all their performance gear. We're proud to be partnering with Smartwool this fall and into the holiday season because we relate deeply with their values of openness, inclusivity, and advocacy. We're excited to share more of their story and technology over the coming weeks. In the meantime, learn more by heading to smartwool.com. Go far, feel good. I feel like through high school, things are kind of fine. You know, I I was enjoying swimming so much and I was ravenous that I really didn't care about what I was eating. We're back. And I wanted to provide a heads up here. There is some talk of food restriction. If you need to skip ahead, I'd recommend starting back up again in about five minutes. Back to Chi. A major shift happened in college and I don't really remember why or what happened, but in college, I definitely really intentionally ate as little as I possibly could because I really wanted to weigh less. And I think that's also when I started weighing myself a lot more often um, because I think there was a scale in the locker room. I didn't have a scale growing up at home. And we had to go to like the nutritionist um, for swimming and, you know, she was talking about my diet. So I think there's just like a lot of triggers that really accelerated this negative cycle of like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm swimming a crap ton, like 20 hours a week, but I'm still going to try to lose weight and I'm going to eat as little as I possibly can. If this sentiment is hard to wrap your head around, wanting to be smaller, lighter, to take up less space, especially as an athlete, I'm truly happy for you. To live your life appreciating your body and food is a gift and a gift that we don't always recognize or appreciate until it's gone. And it honestly wasn't until maybe two years after I graduated and that cycle continued. Like I was constantly exercising, over-exercising. I would say I'd spend way too many hours in the gym, never give myself a rest day and just like eating as little as I possibly could. As a college athlete and beyond, She was driven by goals. You work hard and you achieve them, whether it's a faster time or a lower body weight. But she learned that it's not that simple, nor is it sustainable. 
But it wasn't until my Ironman, I was on this long run. I think I had to run like 16 miles. And I had tried to run 16 miles or 18 miles, something around there, the last weekend. And I just, it felt horrible. And I, I stopped like halfway through. And then the following weekend, I tried again. And I, I made it through that time, but it, it felt horrible. Like I was so tired. I just, and it was so disappointing because I felt like I've been training really hard and I felt like this is something I should be able to do at this moment um, based on all of the buildup that I've done. I was still under the mindset of like, okay, I'm just going to eat like a tiny amount before my run and as little as I possibly can on my run. And hopefully I'll burn so many calories on this run that I'll lose weight from this run. And then I'll also run fast somehow magically. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until um, my boyfriend at the time, he found this article um, written by this Ironman athlete that had qualified for the world championships several times. The, the whole headline was like, you cannot have uh, these two goals at once. And the two goals were you can't, you can't lose weight and you can't like perform athletically at the same time. Like you can't have those two goals. You have to either choose one. If your, your, your goal is to lose weight, then you should do X, Y, and Z. Um, but you should know that that is what your body is going to be doing. And it cannot be put under the stress of also trying to perform um, athletically as well. And it was like such a, I mean, it's such a simple concept, but I just remember reading that article and like having the wind knocked out of me and being like, holy crap, like, what am I trying to do right now? Am I trying to lose weight so that I can be 110 pounds or am I trying to finish this Ironman and like cross the race line? Like, what is actually the important goal here? And I won't lie, like when I first read the article, I was like, Ugh, this is dumb. <laughs> like, why can't I have both? Right. Like you see plenty of people lose weight when they train for marathons or something like, Oh, how could like, this is dumb. But then I just, I kind of had to like take a hard look and kind of a leap of faith and being like, all right, like if this really is true, I have to understand that my goal here is to finish my Ironman. And that's like the most important goal. And if that is my goal, then I need to make sure that I'm giving my body the fuel that it needs so that I'm not like dying on these runs and I'm not bonking out on any of my rides. That moment was like the flip of like cognitively, I could understand like, oh, okay, fine. Like I can't have both. Um, but I think it took like the rest of my training cycle to actually live that, that truth really. While training, Chi was still eating in a calorie deficit, eating as little as possible before going for a run. But she knew it wasn't going to benefit her, so she elicited friends to hold her accountable, and slowly, change started to happen. And I think, like, I slowly worked up from, like, a banana to maybe banana with peanut butter, and then banana with peanut butter and toast, and then eventually I was eating, like, bagels and then oatmeal, you know. Um, it wasn't like I just went from like not eating anything to like feasting before my like, you know, proper fueling before my rides perfectly overnight. It definitely took a long time, <laughs> but I started running faster and that was like also really exciting. So taking a step back and remembering to look at all of like the non-weight success metrics that are available, like instead of, you know, weighing myself and being like, crap, I didn't meet my 110 pound arbitrary weight goal. 
Instead, I'd be like, oh man, I like finished that run and I felt great and my pace was way faster and I don't need like a week to recover anymore. Like the next day I'm starting to feel good and I can go on another run and I can get faster. Like just looking at all those other metrics that, you know, actually really do a way better job at measuring how, how well you're doing um, athletically uh, was something I didn't do before, which is crazy to me, but it really changed a lot. <laughs> Did you stop weighing yourself as often? Yeah, I I decided I couldn't weigh myself every day anymore, but I still was having a lot of trouble letting go of that metric. Um, so the compromise that I, I made with myself was, okay, maybe I'll weigh myself once a week, the same day, same time on that one day, but I'll just do it one time a week. And then I think after a while I moved and I didn't have access to a scale anymore, so then I stopped weighing myself. And that was like not a decision I made, but I'm so glad that my circumstances forced me to do that. I will say, I think I'm someone, and I I don't, I'm not like an expert or anything, but I'm I'm pretty sure I'm someone who gains like uh, body fat when I do train for endurance events like this. And I think everyone's body is different, but I, I just, I don't know. I think my body is just like, we need more cushioning, I guess, for these, uh, these like long distance events, which is hard for me because you see like the elite athletes and they're all, they all look like pterodactyls, you know, they're like all, all bones and muscle and no body fat. And like when I train for a marathon or a triathlon or something, I see like the opposite kind of happen to me and I'm like, what the heck? But then I go faster. So it's like a hard, it's, it's hard to not compare yourself, but then also like trust that your body is doing what it needs to do to be successful. And usually our brains just, our brains get in the way a lot. <laughs> it's our brains, definitely, but they're often a result of our culture. We're told lighter is faster. We're told delicate is beautiful. We're served these images on social media, too, about what is fit and what we need to fuel ourselves with to achieve certain goals. Chi has a lot of followers on social media under her handle fit underscore fam. That's P-H-A-M. Over 150,000, I think. While that's an impressive number, I didn't lead with that because I don't think it's inherently valuable. It's how you use it that creates value in other people's lives. She uses her platform to share the real parts of training and feeling her body. She wants you to know that she doesn't exist purely on smoothie bowls and salads, that she looks different depending on camera angles, and that while Instagram filters are fun, they also distort the way we see ourselves. She wants to share less of the summit photos, literally and figuratively, and more of the in-between, the valley moments. One of the Instagram things that Chi and I talked about is what our Explorer feeds look like. If you're on the platform, you can find the Explorer feed when you hit the search button. It's what Instagram thinks you want to look at based on what you're interested in and what you've looked up before. As an outdoor athlete, Chi's noticed that her Explorer feed is super white, thin, and often blonde. All these images, they start to add up. It's just so crazy how powerful what you see on Instagram can really like trickle down into these little decisions that you make for yourself. But like the things that you see on Instagram are totally like one instance, they're not in context. 
you talking about seeing smoothie bowls, seeing the same stuff over and over again also makes me think about what we talked about on the phone a couple weeks ago, the fact that you feel like you see mostly white women in your Explore feed or, like, on your feed as it relates to the more athletic endeavors. And, like, Mm -hmm. that's super frustrating, too, because that reinforces that you have to look a certain way in order to, like, excel in a sport or exist in a sport, and that's, like, pretty silly. Yeah. I mean, not even just exist in a sport, but, like, I have to look like that to be deemed active or fit or, you know, healthy, which is totally not true. You know, healthy looks different on everyone. And you have to be able to find how activity fits into your life your own way. And, you know, what does that balance actually look like? Um, and, yeah, it's just crazy. I I actually, since our phone call, I was like, can I try to change my Explore page? <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I, like, followed those accounts that you gave me of, like, you know, other people of color or people who are different from, like, what Explore is showing me. And I still don't see any changes in my Explore feed or in my home feed. It's still all the same accounts that are popping up. So I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it's a conspiracy theory. Who knows? It's too big a question to answer today. I don't know how I go about getting the answer anyway, but it's hard not to wonder if Instagram algorithms are racist or if they just compound our own tendencies. Back to Chi. But I I do get sick of, you know, both seeing it on my Instagram everywhere and also, like, working with brands as, like, an influencer. It's just, it's really frustrating to not see any representation. I, I feel like I can count on one hand companies that I think do a good job of showing a diverse group of people. Does it, like, make you want to less apt to want to work with a a company if you feel like they're they're not showing up in the way that you'd like them to yeah sometimes I find out about these things after I've you know already agreed to do a thing with a company it's hard because like maybe the campaign is something I'm super excited about like sustainability or like empowering women to run more or, you know, reaching out to, to girls and talking about STEM. Like it's something that I'm really, really passionate about. And then, um, you know, I'll, I'll sign on and I'll be like, yes, okay, let's do it. This is awesome. You're like really trying to do this thing. And then I'll see other people who are involved or, you know, I'll go to the actual event or the influencer, you know, activation thingy-majiggy. And I'll just be like, wow, there's like literally, I'm literally the only person who is of color or there's just, it's frustrating to find out something (laughs) after the fact. Um, But it's also like at odds because they're trying to do something good. But it's like, then I have questions of like, why did you reach out to me? Am I just being like your token minority in this, in this endeavor? I don't know. I don't want to think that, but like I would, it would be foolish not to at least think about that. I don't know. It's, it's something I struggle with, but I don't really know what to do. <laughs> I asked Chi about a woman I know who finds out from brands who else is involved in campaigns, so she's better able to decide whether it's the right fit for her. I will say that since suggesting this to Chi, I did some thinking and want to acknowledge that more white women should speak up and find out who else is being represented in the campaigns they're working on. Yes, an opportunity with a brand is very exciting, But it's always worth it to do a little digging and find out how equitable the project is. Even if it could mean passing the opportunity along, 
and not having this one opportunity for yourself. Towards the end of our conversation, I asked Chi about the trip she was leaving on for that day to Vietnam. I've gone to Vietnam maybe twice now, um, but they were both before high school. So it's been a really long time since I've been back, but my whole dad's side of the family is still there. So I am mostly going back to like get to know my family again, spend time with them and like just get in touch with my roots. <laughs> see you know where did my parents grow up uh, my parents will actually be there for the first two weeks and we're gonna go like volunteer and like see the sites in the south of vietnam and then the next two weeks i and a couple of girlfriends are gonna go to hanoi in the north and we'll do some stuff up there and then like take our time uh, coming down the coast of vietnam so I'm hoping that I'll be fluent in Vietnamese again by the time I get back. Jury's still out, but I have faith in myself. I just have to force myself to speak it every day. And yeah, I'm excited. A little bit stressed because I do have to work, but I am excited. You were fluent in Vietnamese as a kid? Yeah, it was my first language, actually. My parents were working a lot when I was growing up, so I'd spend a lot of time with my grandparents, and they definitely did not no English to teach me. So <laughs> um, I grew up speaking Vietnamese, um, but sadly, you know, it's not something that you use day to day here in America. So I've definitely lost a lot of it. Oh, well, I'm really excited for you. That sounds like, I don't want to put too much pressure on it, but it sounds like a life-changing trip. I think so. I, I just... I spent so much, and this is like a whole nother camera of worms, but, um, you know, like race and identity and culture growing up in America as like a child of refugees, but like you want to fit in. And so I just feel like this is a really, I'm really looking forward to this opportunity to like really connect with my family and what it means to be Vietnamese in Vietnam. And I don't know, hopefully I'll come back a different person. Thank you to Chi for taking the time to talk, especially right before leaving for Vietnam. I hope you're having an incredible trip. I also want to offer congratulations to Chi. Her recent half Ironman qualified her for next year's World Championships in New Zealand. It's pretty cool to see what feeling your body can do. You can follow along real time by finding Chi on Instagram at fit underscore fam. I'll link where to find Chi in the show notes and via the episode landing page on she-explorers.com. Big thank you to our sponsors, Smartwool, Nature Naws, and Ritual. Links and discount codes are listed on the show notes and on she-explorers.com. Learn more about She Explorers by heading to our website, she-explorers.com, and support the show by leaving us a review wherever you listen or by sharing it with a friend. And if you want to add to the conversation, join us in our She Explorers podcast Facebook group. It has over 6,000 members, and it's a great place to get gear advice, to talk about past episodes, to connect with past guests. It's just a really warm place. I think it's one of the warmer places on the internet that I've ever seen, maybe besides <laughs> the Women on the Road podcast Facebook group. Hope to see you there. Music is by Lee Rosevere, Josh Woodward, Tours, Swelling and K Angle. 
using a Creative Commons Attributions license. Music is also by Kay Orange. Until next week, have fun out there.